Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Avenue Ceramics, where you'll not only find great tile at great prices, but where you can also get personalized help translating your inspiration picks to real product. More on that later, and don't forget to use code YHL20 to save 20% off your next order at thomasavenueceramics.com slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Laura. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today, the ladies behind the home edit dish out pro-organizing tips that rock my world and my pantry. I also share some old school sources of design inspiration, and John investigates if Amazon Prime's really worth it. It feels like summer's almost over. I know. It feels like we've spent a lot of time traveling this summer. Well, I I think the rest of August will be a little bit more chill. We still have more to do at the beach house, so we're driving back and forth to that. And actually, we recently did a road trip to Georgia, and it was like a family trip. We brought the kids. We were meeting up with our friend Katie Bauer and her husband, Jeremy. And her several children. Right. Jeremy and John get along. Katie and I get along. And our kids are the same ages. She has more than us. We always joke she lapped us a few times. But they all get along really well. And I don't know if you guys listening know the story, but Katie Bauer is another blogger and we actually met through blogging, but not recently, like in the very beginning stages of both of our blogs, we used to comment on each other's blogs. And I just remember Katie's little picture on my blog and my little picture on her blog and we'd talk back and forth. And thought, you know what? I should just drive down to this lady's house, even though we don't know a thing about her. Well, yeah, she invited us to her house. And this was after like years of being online friends, even though it sounds... Well, years, like a year and a half. Right. But that's it wasn't like after a month of, of chatting casually online. Still, I distinctly remember halfway there, I was like, wait a second. I don't even know this guy's name. I, <laughs> we I, didn't I, know his name. I don't think... You like basically told me her whole backstory on the way there because like you two were friends, but I hadn't really been brought into this yet. I just knew you'd get along. My spidey senses were correct because he's... You know how it's hard to find a couple that the husbands get along and the wives get along? It's hard. It is. And you took a big gamble on this one, telling me to like come down and basically spend two days with this guy while you and Katie sat in a closet and gossiped. (laughs) It was not gossiping, it was bonding. But it was like a lady sleepover. Like we sat on the floor of the closet and eight hours later when John and Jared came back, what were you guys doing playing like We played racquetball. racquetball. Uh, We watched several movies. We played video games. You guys had like a total like guy sesh and we just stayed in the same spot on the floor of Katie's closet. And I remember thinking... Wow, she has a lot of clothes and they're all different colors. Because meanwhile, my closet is like full of eight shirts that are black. the other half live, Sherry. I was like, wow, she has like lots of bras that match underwear. And mine's like all like one black bra at that time. Two. Two. Now I have two. So yeah, that's the backstory is like, I'm not necessarily suggesting to go meet everyone you talk to online because there's like that show Catfish. Well, or at least like don't necessarily drive and show up at their house without having <laughs> vetted him somewhat. Well, I remember- the funny thing is we never talked on the phone like yeah. ever. I hardly knew her voice and I don't think she knew mine. And so when we were like 20 minutes away, I called her to say like, hey, we're 20 minutes away. And I hung up the phone and I was like, oh. <gasps> Her accent is so foreign to me. Like, she's so Southern sounding. You didn't expect that. Well, I also was like, I'm going to someone's house who I don't even know how they talk. Like, their accent is unfamiliar, but I'm going to go sleep over at their house. (laughs) Because didn't we, did we stay two nights? Yeah, we stayed night and then we went to Savannah to have a vacation ourselves. Okay, so we stayed one night with them. But it was a gamble. And I thought, well, if it's really awkward, we'll have like this one weird night and then we'll be like, bye, going to Savannah. But it, you know, eight years later, we're still friends. Our kids are great friends. I don't know. It's one of those friendships that we have a lot in common. So that stuff kind of bonded us. Even if they live several states away. Exactly. And we have to drive 18 hours round trip to see them. (laughs) 
Well, and actually my what's new this week comes from this visit as well. Okay. And it relates to this conversation I was having with Jeremy, which actually you and I were sort of talking about because remember last month how there was Amazon Prime Day? Yeah. And you like Insta-storied like, this is what it looks like when you don't have Prime because we're the quote unquote only people in the world who don't have Prime. Yeah, we don't have Prime. And you got several like reactions, people aghast. They could not, someone's like, you think you know someone. And I was like, listen, we don't pay a fee. We just wait longer for shipping, but it's free. So we're that cheap. Right. So I was talking about, this is Jeremy. I think we were talking about like the Amazon Echo versus the Google Home or something like that. Nerds. Yeah, nerds. (laughs) And I mentioned to him that we didn't have it. And it got me thinking like, are we making a bad decision? Like I got self-conscious about it. So I did some investigating. It's like when someone says, are you watching X show on Bravo? And it's like one of the few shows I'm not watching on Bravo. I start to think, do I need to watch every show on Bravo? It's not really like that, but (laughs) good try. I thought I would actually look to see whether we were making a smart financial choice by not having Amazon Prime. I know there's certain tea that I love that I can't buy because I'm not a Prime member. So, uh, well, I did not factor that into my investigation. <laughs> so before I get into the number crunching I did, and Sherry doesn't know any of this yet. I have no, this I did is, this this morning while she was still asleep. He sprung this on me. Um, I thought I would back up and say, I think the reason we don't have Prime, like sort of my like philosophical reason for not getting Prime, which is not completely logical and maybe slightly hypocritical, I, I realize. But I feel like if we pay that to get like the free shipping, it's going to basically like unleash us to just order everything off of Amazon. I feel like we might be a bit more reckless about our online orders. I think that's true. I mean, we listened to that fascinating podcast that was basically saying like people who want stuff now on Amazon will often pay inflated prices. Right, right. That was a Planet Money episode we were listening to where they said that people don't price check as much when they go to Amazon if they're in a hurry for something. Right. Or if they want something specific, like they have specific organic wipes for their baby, they only want that kind, they'll pay the price. Right. So I wanted to see whether we were foolish not to pay for Prime and whether we were actually paying more. By not having it. Okay. And I should disclaim this by saying like Prime has a lot of other advantages besides just free shipping and fast like two day or one day delivery on things. Right. It has certain things you can't get if you're not Prime. Right. And also like you get the TV and you get access to some music. Oh, I didn't know you. Mm, TV. Well, but (laughs) I'm not sure how much we would use that more than Netflix. Right, right, right. I think we've got plenty right now, so we don't necessarily need to add it. So you could argue a lot of those things are good Side benefits of having a Prime membership. I just don't understand how we could not be saving money because we don't pay for Prime and we get free shipping. Well, So I, what are we wasting money on? Here we go. Are you ready for it, Sherry? Yes. I went back through our last 12 months of orders. Oh, my goodness. I did. You are thorough. Yeah, I am thorough. <laughs> Over the last 12 months, we have placed 42 Amazon orders. Okay. We only paid shipping on nine of them. Oh, I didn't know we paid shipping on anything. Well, here's the things we oh, paid shipping on. Oh, when we shipped them as gifts. Yes, Five of those nine were gifts. Okay. And that's usually because we are only sending one item, right. not a bulk item, so it doesn't meet that limit. And sometimes also because we're trying to get it there by, you know, someone's birthday right, or something like that. Right, we're speeding it up. Um, so of the four remaining of them, I think they were just things that we could not get free shipping on. One of them was the um, a pair of socks that we used in our April Fool's joke that we needed quickly. <laughs> right. I remember that very distinctly. We were like, if we need these socks, we have to pay shipping. We paid $12 shipping for one pair of socks. Because we needed them to come in time to like take for the April pictures. Yeah. yeah. And it was like March 30th. Like yes. we needed them real fast. So that's the quantities. Now, the actual cost here, uh, first of all, a Prime membership, if you pay it month to month, Mm -hmm. is about $11. 
So that's 132 for the year. Okay. Um, but if you pay it in bulk for the year, it's only 99. So let's just assume the 99 number. Right. Okay. The smart way to do Prime. Yes. We spent about 60 bucks in shipping over the year. Less than 99. Look at us. Picture me in the middle of a football field spiking the ball and doing an end zone dance. <laughs> oh, see, that's funny. Like, I didn't feel like it was gigantic victory because I was like, it's about a $40 difference. Here's what I think. I think we'd order way more on Amazon if we had Prime to make it worth it. It's like my friends who have Costco memberships. We don't have a Costco membership. We don't pay a membership to get food. So that's a monthly or yearly expense that we do not have. Well, yeah. And I feel the same way about Amazon. I like that I go there sometimes for a few things, but I also like that I'm not I'm not having packages arrive like every day. Right. That's what I feel about it is that as much as I think the $40 difference, like the savings could be negligible, especially once you calculate in like that you could get the TV or the music or even, you know, free audible books. But I think you're right that we would end up ordering a lot more and maybe spending a lot more recklessly if we did have it. And I also don't it. like unpacking boxes. Like I don't oh, like I when a big boxes. box comes and I have to take things out and then I have to break it down. I know this sounds like first world problems. Um, you have to break it down. <laughs> Sometimes John has to break it down if I'm struggling. I have to unpack it and then I have to throw it in the garage so that John can go find it eventually and break <laughs> it down do. for me. I throw them in the garage and I wait for John to get like, annoyed. This is not helpful. Just leave it in the house. I'll break it. Out. I'll break it down in here. I like throwing them in the garage because they're out of the house and they're out of my. For me. Sure, it's like problem solved. Now you know why our this is why our garage gets so messy, everyone. <laughs> oh yes, the garage messy is all my fault, guys. It has nothing to do with John doing a thousand projects in there. So, anyways, um, <laughs> it was helpful for me to have gone through this exercise because now I do feel confident in our decision not to have a Prime membership. I know it's not saving me like buckets and buckets of money. And it does mean you and I have to wait longer for goods to be delivered usually because we're often waiting for that free shipping. But that's how I like to treat Amazon. Like it's not my go-to place. Like when I need something quickly, I will go to the store because I I don't want to get to that place where like I'm out of paper towels and I go and just like order a paper towel. So like a giant box of paper towels comes. That feels like inefficient shopping for me. Okay, update time. We wanted to follow up on episode 56, which is when we talked about our experiences doing for sale by owner. And we listed some of the reasons why you might want to consider using a realtor instead of trying to sell it yourself. And it was a really interesting conversation that continued after the episode. We got a lot of feedback on it from realtors, from people who have sold things by owners. So we wanted to just sort of like address a couple things on it because obviously we couldn't get into all the intricacies of house selling in that episode. So for instance, we got a couple people pointing out that we sort of oversimplified the fact that using a buyer's agent is free. You know, we were saying how there's no cost to you when you bring an agent into the buying process, when you're the person hunting for a house. But what some of these people were saying is that even though you, the buyer, are not literally handing a check to your agent, some of your expense is built into the price of the home. So if you could be built, could be. Yes. And so if you are able to buy a house without an agent at all, so like you, the buyer, come without an agent to someone who's selling by owner and there's no agent, then you could buy that house for less because that person hasn't inflated the house price to cover realtor fees. Exactly. If you can find that where it's a like agent-free transaction and you are comfortable with it and it's the house you want, like that's great. Like one woman who emailed me, Rachel, she was able to do that and they were able to save about $20,000. Which is definitely significant. Yeah, that's not nothing. Just in our experience to sort of counterpoint that, that's amazing if you can find a house someone's selling and there's no realtor involved. We've purchased four houses and each of those homes, there was already a realtor involved. Yeah, so in each of those cases, the seller had already engaged a realtor. So they had already committed to pay a fee to a realtor. And so 
whether or not we came to the table with a buyer's agent, that fee was being paid in our area. That's about 6%. And the only difference is if we came with a agent that would get split between the two. And if we didn't, the seller's agent would get all of it. It's not like they were going to shave money off the house price if we came agent free. But if you find a house for sale by owner, they might really value that you come to the table without an agent. And if you're comfortable and you feel like you can advocate for yourself and you don't want an agent to help you negotiate, then it is a way that you both could kind of acknowledge, hey, I'm saving you all these fees. Could you come down on the price? Right. Yeah. You might be able to negotiate it lower and get an even better price. So obviously depends on the situation. And on the flip side of that, we got um, some messages from realtors. One was from a woman named Mary Ann, who's a realtor in Florida. And she pointed out that there was a study done by the National Association of Realtors last year to see the impact of for sale by owner homes. And what that study found was that they typically sold for less. Actually, I think 23% less than a house that sold through an agent. Which is significant. Yeah. So if you're arguing like, yeah, but I saved 6%, but engaging an agent can get you 23% more. Right. That's significant. But again, you know, that's a ton of data. So we don't know. Yeah, that's just an average. So I don't think you can necessarily go into it saying that you definitely will get more. But I'm sure a realtor can do some things to help make sure the house is, you know, prepared and staged and whatever to get the best offer. Right. There's definitely a ton of stuff to consider and it probably varies by region and you know, we'll never cover all of it, but it was interesting to hear from both sides that were like, be even more extreme and involve zero realtors, even don't use a buyer's agent versus a realtor saying like, always use a realtor, you'll save or make lots of money. And next, you guys, we're going to talk to Clea and Joanna from The Home Edit. You guys might remember back in episode, I think it was 32, yep. we shouted them out and we're digging as just a really fun Instagram organizing account to follow. They are like big time. They just got announced uh, a few weeks ago as like Target's home organizing experts, kind of like Emily Henderson is for home style. They're the organizing people. And also they've worked with celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow and Vanessa Lachey and Rachel Zoe. They also work with normal folks <laughs> and bloggers like they've worked with Ojoy and Elsie from Beautiful Mass. So they've covered lots of ground in the organizing world. So we're really excited to talk to them and get some good tips. Yes, I'm obsessed with this. I don't know if you guys have been following my Instagram stories, but all I'm doing is like buying bins and baskets. I'm on an organizing bender. And so I can't wait to pick their brain. Yeah, brace yourselves. I'm about to ask a lot of questions. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, guys. How are you? Very excited to talk to you. So real quick, why don't you guys tell us what the Home Edit is and how you guys got started? We met through a mutual friend. I had just moved to Nashville and Joanna had been in Nashville for about a year. We wanted to transform the way people kind of thought about home organization and not in like the staid plastic containers with, you know, label makers and all that. You know, we really wanted to amp it up and make it stylish and something fun. And fun. Yeah. And not be a chore. It shouldn't be like with the laundry. It should be like with design, interior design rather than like a to-do. So that was kind of our goal. We're, we're ambitious, but like we didn't really realize like where it was all going to go. And well, yeah, you're like organizing celebrity homes. I mean, how does that happen? So one of the, the things that kind of set us into not just forward motion, but I mean, really at an accelerated rate was right after we first started our company, we did a week long trip in LA. Joanna always thinks it's like weird that I happen to know. Yeah, it's very weird. Certain celebrities, but I mean... When you grow up in LA, that's just that's kind not, of life. No, I don't know. That's not normal. But anyway, I asked a handful of friends if we could come do a project for them. We weren't asking for, 
you know, them to repost anything of ours, but just let us do a project. We'll do it for free. And I think that really kind of launched us into a different stratosphere. So it's the most amazing. I mean, we were just so fortunate. But you know, it's not like we're just hanging out with them. Like there are clients. Right. And- it's just bizarre. The whole thing is crazy. You were in Gwyneth's pantry, weren't you? We were in both her pantries in oh, Los Angeles. Oh, I'm sorry. She has two pantries. <laughs> Different houses. We were oh. in her. <laughs> I thought there was like a back pantry and a front pantry. Actually, there is. There no, there is because there's the baking pantry. But whether you're a celebrity or a regular layman, <laughs> it's like everyone has the same needs. So every pantry needs to be organized. This is the way I envision Gwyneth Paltrow. She smells like a fancy candle. And when she shakes your hand, her hands are surprisingly chilly. And- <laughs> Very soft. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about organizing because I know everyone listening is going to want to know how to apply your brain power to make their pantry look like Gwyneth's. So what is the most common organizing mistake that you see people making? I think that the most common thing is to think that you can do the organizing without actually doing any editing and not pulling everything out. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that people like to just put it in the bin and put it back on the shelf. And that's really not adding any bit of system. You're just adding product. Right. And you can't take a shortcut. Like, this is a real thing that you need to do and treat it appropriately. Like, you really need to pull every single thing out. Right. You need to look at it. Yeah. You need to really see what you have and decide if it's worth keeping. And decide if it's worth putting back in. That's right. the thing is if you leave it in there, it's just easy to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, right. I'll eat that or I'll just, whatever. I'll just put it in the bin or yeah. whatever. You know, you, no. don't, you don't actually deal with anything at that right. point. You're just containing it, which is critical. Right. But You're just so, not there yet. But so is the editing. So how would you guys instruct someone to do that editing process? It, you said like- Wait, you are take- they asking if it sparks joy? <laughs> right. or, like what are they doing with their minds to determine whether to keep or donate? The Marie Kondo way, while I think there is a lot of like grace and beauty with it, we don't necessarily have that kind of time in our lives to, you know, sit down and thank each item, but you have to take all the pieces out. You have to look at them and it might feel like a gratuitous thing to do or something that's unnecessary that you can skirt by and you can't. You have to take everything out. You have to lay it down on the floor or on a table or on the bed, you know, wherever you're working you have to kind of make a mess in order for things to get organized. Oh, and we do. And we it, make it a seems, huge mess when we do it. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but it's really actually super important. So we always tell people the very first thing, you need to take it all out. You need to set it down and look at it. I think it also helps you physically see any kind of duplicates that you have. And you don't really know that until you take everything out and start grouping all of your items, right. which is the second step. Once everything's out, you start to put like items together. And then once you have like items together, you're like, oh, why do I have 11 face creams? So, you know, the grouping of the items once everything's out is just really important. It helps the whole process move forward. It helps you get rid of things that you don't want, that you don't like. And it just already, by grouping it, you're basically setting up the system for putting it into whatever container you have and putting it away. Right. It allows you to figure out how much of each category you have so that you can start thinking about how much space you want to allot to that category once you put it back. Right. Do you need a whole shelf for just like baking stuff or do you just need like a portion of a shelf? And is there something you guys say that's like effective with a lot of people who have more of the hoarding tendency or they don't want to get rid of stuff like the emotional attachment? Let's be nice. Exactly. Well, one thing that I do always kind of keep it in the front of my mind is just that you either get the item or the space. And we both say this a lot of the time to any client, whether they have a 10,000 square foot house or whether they have like a 400 square foot apartment, you get the item or you get the space, but you don't get both. So you have to decide the value of the item that you're choosing to keep. 
So if you have the physical square footage and you want to keep every single thing you own, that's fine. But just know that you won't have breathing room around your items. Like that airy look that you want will not exist. One problem I feel like I see a lot of people run into when they start to organize is kind of like the container store illusion where they feel like the key to getting organized is just buying all the right product. And for us, that doesn't always work out because like you just end up with like lots of boxes and bins, but you don't know what's going in them when they may end up taking up more space than the the actual items. And so I'm just wondering what your philosophy is on having the right actual products and like when are too many? So the correct products are absolute game changers. They are the best way to transform your space, but you really have to make smart choices and think through what you're putting in there. Cause you're right. I mean, if you get a bulky bin that doesn't really appropriately fit. Right. Like it ends up almost causing more problems, you know, like <laughs> right. mo product, mo problems. Right. You got it. And you, totally got you it. just lose on all fronts. So, you know, Joanne and I often see, um, you know, clients will buy a basket, but that single basket is too small for the category they're trying to contain. So already they're kind of setting themselves up for failure because essentially now you're going to have like three quarters of something dealt with and the other quarter is spilling off yeah. next to it, spilling out, you know, it, right. so it doesn't really solve anything. So the most important way to pick the best products is, you know, you need to take really good dimensions of your space. You need to really think through every shelf that you're going to be dealing with. And also that goes back to the groupings thing. If you've done the edit and you know what amount of breakfast items you have, you're going to think more strategically about what kind of bin or basket you're going to buy rather than buying one that's too small or too big. So make yourself a list based on the categories that are in front of you and just kind of make general notes like, okay, I think I need two bins for pasta, two bins for breakfast, you know, whatever it may be. And you really want to overbuy and then return. Yeah. If you underbuy, it's going to be a project that you're never going to want to finish because it's now it's a hassle. You can always return at the end and you're motivated to return because you'll get your money back, but you are not motivated to go back and buy a second to You don't want to stop mid-project. No, and then, it's the worst. No. I mean, that does sound like decorating because we bring like a whole bunch of pillows and just see what sticks and it's much easier to return and test things out and mix and match than to, you know, come home with the three pillows you assume will look good on your sofa and then like two of them don't look good with your sofa. So much like decorating in that way. And you guys were talking about momentum. Is there any specific spot you suggest people starting that helps with momentum? Like should you start small on just a junk drawer? Should you start big on a pantry? Like what do you think is a good place to start? Always start with a drawer. Like you need to kind of get your confidence up. Yeah, get get your confidence up, get your feet wet, you know. And once one thing is done, oh, you're so motivated to tackle the rest. Wait for the rest. Um, I will also caution people: the pantry is a hard nut to crack. I think it's the hardest job out of all. Even if it's just a small cupboard, it's one of the hardest spaces. But kitchen drawers, utensil drawers, yeah. um, or like kitchen tools and utensils, a bathroom drawer, yep. a junk some, drawer, something that you use daily, so that you're reminded how effective it was and how worth it it was for you to do that to begin with, and that'll help motivate you for the other space to come. Yeah. Once you see how one drawer can look, you want your whole house to look like that. Yes. I feel like the problem we have with our pantry is because the items in it flex so much. Like Sherry the other day just kind of organized it while she was walking around actually listening to a podcast. But then I went shopping the next day and suddenly I didn't know how to make it sort of flex to accommodate all the new stuff. Well, you know, one of the things that I I mean, if I just could give you some professional (laughs) advice, um, one of the things um, that we like to do with pantries First of all, you really have to like respect the amount of space that you have. So once you've set up your systems and set up your bins, 
that is the amount of space you have for X amount of items. You know, you can put a couple bins on the floor for bulk items or, you know, overstock items. Um, that way it's like, if you're not done with, you know, the set of snacks, but you just went to the grocery store, you have a place to put them and then you can kind of restock your bins as you go. Right. We call them backstock bins. Right. But beyond that, it's like, I tell my husband too, how many bags of chips do you need to buy? Here is the bin we have. You cannot buy anymore until you eat what you own. So, you know, that that's kind of the way we live and it kind of forces you to go through your food before, you know, you go and bring more into the house. But the other thing that I find helps is really general pantry categories, because the (laughs) worst thing ever is coming home and getting like that pantry paralysis where you're like, wait a minute, this bin says pasta and I have quinoa. Like, what do I do with it? So we like to have a dinner bin, a breakfast bin, snacks bins, just general, and then always a baking bin and a cooking bin. If you get super specific it really doesn't do you any favors. No, a mac and cheese bin is doing nobody any favors. No. Yeah, that's a good tip. I think I accidentally have a baking bin and a cooking bin. One's on the bottom shelf and it has like, you know, obviously things you use for cooking and the baking one has like the cupcake trays and the sprinkles and the things I use less so it's way on the top of my sort of stacked cabinetry which is my pantry space. Yeah. And I like it because I just pull the whole thing out. Is there anything else like that even in a bathroom like a way that you label or group things that people might not have intuitively thought of? Well, one thing that we do, like in a bathroom, for instance, is we create a daily drawer. So like the top drawer or one drawer, you know, your go-to drawer has all of your daily items. You still might have another drawer that has, you know, different face creams or masks or whatever it may be. And those can live in a different place as long as they're grouped and categorized. But we really try and keep like a layer, a single layer of all of the things you use every single day. Contacts. Yeah, they're they're at your fingertips. Because sometimes when people try and do the organizing on their own, they think in silos. You know, it's like, oh, the girls told me that I need categories. So I'm going to put, you know, all of my dental supplies together, all of my face supplies together. So, you know, you you don't want to do too many stops throughout the bathroom or or the same goes throughout the kitchen it's like if all of your cooking items are in one bin it is helpful and i would i would add to that too and saying think about like prime real estate like that top bathroom drawer that is like prime real estate that's like the best one for your daily drawer you don't have to bend down i mean it's just ready to go and same with pantry eye level you know that that's like your daily pantry stop right if you don't cook or bake a lot put it up you know but think strategically in those terms too how do you guys go about that process with your clients because i'm thinking for someone who's looking at any space and doesn't really know where to start. Obviously, when you're coming in as an outside person, you have to diagnose that and figure out what are the things that need to be the prime real estate? What sort of questions should someone ask themselves? I can tell you the questions we ask our clients and a million, maybe, and, right, and a million, but it does become a little bit of like a forensic, you know, analysis of the space. Like, okay, if we're doing a mudroom or an entry, where do you intuitively go to drop your keys? Where do you intuitively go to drop your mail? So we're not going to like shift the tide. We're going to set up a system around where you already are doing something. You can't fight, you know, yeah. what is already happening in your home. It's just too intuitive at that right. point. And habits so, are usually set unless it's like a brand new house. Your habits are already your habits. Right. So you want to kind of talk to yourself about right. what your habits are and really think about them and try not to. Um, well, it sounds like you need to be realistic about yourself, because if you picture yourself as this high achieving, really organized person and you set up these systems that require you to be really on top of your game, but that's just not you. It sounds like you're setting yourself up to fail. 
setting yourself up for failure. So it's like if you saw an Instagram picture that we posted of something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can go and apply it exactly in your house because it might not fit your needs. Right. Know? Or even just on a general level too. It's like we asked, are you going to want to come home from the grocery store and dump each cereal thing into a container? Yes, that might look pretty. But if that's not going to be like maintainable and sustainable for you, it's not going to end up looking pretty because the system's going to fall apart. Something that was really freeing for us is we just decided we're not people who are going to put things in the pretty glass jars. I know we're bloggers and the whole internet does that, but we just were not going to take cereal and put it in the jar. Well, we and have one jar. We do. We have one jar on the counter that we use for snacks. So we have popcorn in a jar and we have cereal that's out in a jar that's like the fresh cereal that's being used it's where the kids go to pour cereal but other than that in the pantry we don't have any glass systems and it works for us everything stays in the box it came home in exactly and i think that it is freeing to tell yourself like listen it's enough to unload the groceries and not have to like unload the groceries again when i get in the pantry some people love doing that but if you don't and i don't personally one space saving technique though i do highly recommend is if you take the bags of cereal out of the box and just have the bag and then clip it with a clothespin, you can fit so much more. That's so smart. I just raised my arm in like a victory stance because I'm totally going to do that right now. It's so smart. Once I realized you could lose the bulk of the cardboard box, the bag is actually quite compact, especially if you open the bag and just let the air out and put the clothespin on it. It rolls up really nicely. You can fit you know, six boxes of cereal in a pretty small bin. That's so awesome. So what do you guys think about labels? I have a love-hate relationship with labels because I meticulously labeled all of the screws and nails in my workshop in my last house. But then I like ran out of one or bought another and like had to go find the label packet somewhere and write a new one. It didn't quite match. And I kind of was like, why did I do this in the first place? Like keeping up with the labeling system gave me more stress than having it in the first place. I will warn you, you are speaking to avid labelers, okay? We are very pro-label. First of all, a set of labels is the key to maintenance. Obviously, there's an aesthetic piece of it that's just really beautiful, and some things don't need a label. They just look prettier with it. But if the label is on there, it holds you accountable so that you don't go and put something incorrect in that bin. You know, the bin does not become kind of a graveyard of random things. You know what goes in there. And it is a set of instructions for where things go. And a set of instructions for how much space you actually have if you want to maintain a right. system that works. You don't want to get too specific because if you're too specific, it honestly, you're right, it does break down and it becomes it annoying. Falls apart. It falls apart the same way that if you didn't have a label on to begin with. But if you have a label that gives you flexibility, but still lets you identify what's in there. Like snacks. Right. Or craft supplies or tape, like washi tape. My daughter has like 12 billion things of washi tape. I don't really think that's a category that's going away anytime soon. So I'm just going to label the bin tape, you know, but it plays out the best in kids spaces in playrooms or in kids rooms. They really like it, you know, it kind of, I think, reminds them of school in a way. So having a bin labeled blocks or a bin labeled dolls, it can be a general category. And that general label goes so far in helping kids understand how to clean up. And like, you know, when their friends come over, they can help clean up. And if you think I don't make um, my daughter's friends clean up, you're wrong. I do make them. <laughs> I actually have a sign in the playroom that says clean it up on a light board because I am the least fun mom in the world. <laughs> you're just starting them young. You're setting them up to succeed later in life and potentially be famous celebrity organizers in the year 2040. <laughs> you know, I said that to my daughter once and she goes, mommy, not everybody has to work for the home edit. I was like, well, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thank you guys. It was so fun talking to you. Um, I hope we weren't like too much. We're, we're kind of a lot. We are just a lot. Uh, this this podcast lot. is all about too much. We thrive in the too much zone. So don't you worry. <laughs> My personality trait is a lot. This Same. was so fun. It's such an honor. You guys are so amazing. Seriously, this was so fun. Yeah. Thank you for having us on. Oh, thanks, guys. Have a good one. You thank too. you. Bye, guys. If you guys want to see more of the home edit and what Clea and Joanna do, we're going to put links to all their stuff in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Yeah, I have tons of projects that I love looking out of there. So I'll link to those, include some pictures. And they even told us they have three favorite organizing products and we'll link those for you too. So go to the show notes and stare at the pictures like me. Picture me drooling, picture me ordering whatever they're telling me to order. I'm very influenced by them at this moment in my life. Well, you can't dig them again. You've already dug them and we're digging. That's <laughs> true. Dang it. Can we do like best of we're digging? That would <laughs> or be boring. We could do final four. No, don't you have something else already? I do. I'm ready. I'm okay. ready for this. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll get into it. This week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Avenue Ceramics. They're an online tile store that's about more than just selling you tile. Yeah, one of their co-founders, Jeff, was telling us that for them, it's really about setting people up for success. You know, even if you don't know the first thing about shopping for tile. So I asked him this. Let's say someone wants to add a backsplash, but they have no clue where to start. Like, what is the first step in figuring out the right tile for you? The best way to start is find out what you like, your style. Social media happens to be one of the best places to go to. If you go to our Pinterest page, for example, it's get an idea of what you want. And so could I like send an inspiration picture to one of your support staff and they could help me figure out what tile could get me there? Absolutely. That's one of our favorite things to do. And if you just email to info at thomasavenueceramics.com, say, here's what I wish to have. Don't look at us just as a website. Look at us as a resource. Like Jeff said, you can get help pinning down your perfect tile by emailing info at thomasavenueceramics.com. It's kind of like having a free design assistant to help your kitchen or bathroom dreams come true. Or if you want to see some of what I'm loving these days, I've rounded up my 10 favorite tiles over at thomasavenueceramics.com slash YHL. There's a smoke-colored one that is so, so good. And while you're there, don't forget to use code YHL20 to get 20% off your next order. That's all at thomasavenueceramics.com slash YHL. So this week I'm digging more inspirational imagery, but this time it comes in the form of paper. Good old-fashioned paper you can hold and touch. So guys, this week I'm digging catalogs from two specific brands. I'm holding them in my hands. You might hear them rustle around. They're both brands that I do not shop from. They're pure inspiration. (laughs) They're too expensive for me. But that doesn't mean they're too expensive for you or anyone listening. They are Williams-Sonoma Home and Our House. A-R-H-A-U-S. These two catalogs, whoever their stylists are, hats off. I save these like design books, guys. Guys, I'm looking at them right now and she has like so many like tags and tabs like sticking out of the pages. What I mean by how they're packed with inspiration is that this season's Our House catalog, I'm flipping the pages so you'll hear me rustling, had these beautiful stairs. They look like the stairs in our beach house to me. They're old railing, beautiful wood, like newel post and wood stair steps. But the risers, which you'd ordinarily paint white, are covered in different types of wallpaper. And they're mixed and matched. So it's not like someone just took one roll and went up the stairs. But they're all in like a blue and white color palette. Yeah, yeah, it's done in like a more kind of um, upscale way than like bright colored right. wallpapers. I think it's beautiful. It almost looks like if you guys know the mud cloth blue and white pillows. Nope. 
Nope. Or um, what's that called? Shibori. Do you guys know Shibori? I'm probably saying that wrong. Don't hold me to it. But it's like a blue and white, almost tie-dye, blurry look. And it's just lovely. Maybe I can put a picture in the show notes if I can find it on their website. I'll link to it. But I just, every page I look at inspires me, whether it's just an idea for adding longer hardware to a dresser, because I know I could order hardware on Amazon and make my dresser look more like the dresser they show, which... Let's see, this dresser is $3,500. Oh. <laughs> so it's not in my budget, but I love the way it's styled. I love the tone of wood. I love the hardware scale. So these are all things that we can learn from. I would encourage you to find catalogs that inspire you, whether or not our house or Williams Sonoma Home are your style. They're like getting free design books. And as long as you don't feel like they come and you throw them right in the recycle bin, they actually can be really useful if you use them for inspiration, if you rip them out and make a mood board for yourself. Sometimes I use them for paint colors because they'll list what colored paint is used in a room. They're like a blog to me, but in paper form. And I get tons of inspiration <laughs> from them. They're one of those old blogs. Right, they're an old that school That comes blog. printed. <laughs> well, and this week I am digging socks. I know that sounds really exciting, but I know so many of you were disappointed to learn that our <laughs> April Fool's joke about Peter Socks, our new novelty sock venture, was just a joke. So if you found yourself saddened by that news that those were not real, I have something for you. Because um, there's a couple people in my family who are big novelty sock enthusiasts, one of them being my mom. I feel like your family buys 50% of the socks in the world. <laughs> yes, they just gift them to one another. My they mom do. and her sisters. It's like a gifting triangle of the three sisters passing socks. They keep the sock industry in business, let's just say. So uh, for Mother's Day, I think, or maybe it was my mom's birthday. I don't know. They all fall in May. Me and a couple of my sisters got my mom a subscription to a sock of the month club, you could say. It's called Say It With a Sock. Which both of those terms confuse me. Sock of the month and say it with a sock are singular. Socks are important to come in pairs. Oh, say it with a no, I was, say it with socks. Yeah, I was going to say, say it with a socks is not no. correct. <laughs> they do come in pairs. Actually, you can choose whether you get one, two, or three with each delivery, and they come in a cute little bag. My mom showed me a picture. They range in price from $12 for just one pair or $26 for three pairs. So it's not like the cheapest socks you'll ever find. They're like novelty, and they have cute yes. things on them. You get to choose between just patterned socks or graphic, you know, things with like cats and popcorn and random things that surprise you when you open your package. You, know? <laughs> um, you get to pick whether you're getting men's, women's, or kids. And so we just got my mom like a three-month subscription to it, and it made her day. She loved it. It made her month. Her three months that she got this <laughs> subscription quarter. for. I was thinking about it because I just canceled it. I felt kind of bad, but sorry, mom, your gift was over. <laughs> you and your sisters go all in on something to your budget and then it's over. Yep, we go all in for just three months. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. One last friendly reminder that next Monday, August 21st, we will be at the HGTV Magazine Block Party in New York City. It's free to go. There's tons of free swag. So we'll put the details in the show notes for you guys. We hope to see some of you there. Yeah, and keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like Chase and Carly on Instagram, who is driving to her new home in Uganda when a baboon jumped on her windshield. Uh, you do not see that every day. And don't forget to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Yeah, like some of our favorite makeovers from the Home Edit and their three go-to organizing products. And the online versions of those catalogs I love. Later. Bye. I'm John. And I'm Laura. And I'm Laura. And I'm Laura? My name is Laura. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> <laughs>